Hey guys, this is Crime Scene Analysis. I'm Angie. I'm Jess. And I'm Caroline. And we are here to bring you episode 209, Killabusters. I've just realized I'm doing this now every time I say, <laughs> I did it for Ouroboros last week and I'm like, Killabusters. I'm making it very, very Simon, Simon Hawksley. Um, this episode is written by Sabrina Dina Rhoda and directed by Dermot downs which reminded me of dermot moroni i thought you were gonna say uh, that i know i know uh, i mean i'm not on. sad the character's gone all right so to kick us off at 12 seconds um we have a callback to sh- <laughs> <laughs> call back to already damn <laughs> to a monologue that i wrote in giant letters find the episode and oh, then no. i never did it <laughs> Because in, in fucking giant letters, make sure to research which one this is, and then I never did it. Oh, we are on a great start already. Good grief. For the record, this is water in my drink. I'm just pathetic. Mine too. No cider tonight. The feedback from last week, guys, you're on top of it. It's all. Fun <laughs> yeah, I know. What's this is have like fun complete, with this. This is a dumpster fire. Why did you do this to me? Like we're giving her plenty of bloopers. Okay, let me try that again. Sorry, I'll get it right this time. So right. to kick us off at 12 seconds, we have an awesome callback, kind of split screen um, to a monologue from Martin from the first episode of season two. It's all in the execution. It's that whole speech that's about, you know, maybe the problem is, is you kind of like that you got away with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it's juxtaposed to what is clearly supposed to be like, oh no, is it dripping blood? But it's on canvas and very clearly like a weirdly bright red color. So um, we have art therapy. And I'll be quite honest. I did not expect either of them to have any artistic ability whatsoever. I secretly really wanted Jess's to be like amazing and worthy of a gallery and then Malcolm's to be like stick pairs and stick vases and like looks like something a four-year-old could do with a finger paint. That would have been amazing. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. (laughs) I also love how no one's wearing any sort of protective clothing. Like they're just in their suit and her dress. I'm like, excuse me? Right. The $10,000 designer outfit. And he's just sitting there with paint all over his hands. He's not going to touch himself anywhere. I was like, he's going to drip onto his shoes. Such a like upper class thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like, oh, if I get it on my suit, it's not a big deal. I have 12 more of them. So what does it matter? And we know he gets it on his hand and coming from someone who works with paint and various art supplies constantly, the minute you get a little bit on you, it ends up everywhere. It's like (laughs) glitter. It really is. Oh, I gotta hate glitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was such like a bougie moment of like, we're not going to cover our expensive clothing in any way and we'll probably get stuff all over these shoes. Doesn't matter. There's red on the bottom too. Yep. I've done that plenty of times. (laughs) That's the only designer joke I can make. That's all I know is that the red bottom shoes. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, at 42, um, I for once, not for once, but one of the few times where I straight up knew the song, the artist, all of it, the minute it plays, we have If You Want to Sing Out, Sing Out by um, Cat Stevens. Unmistakable voice. Like It's like Bob Dylan. You know the minute you hear it that that's who it is. Um, and it's kind of perfect for this moment because that entire song is like, be you. Like there's mm-hmm. a thousand things you can do. Go be you, be happy, let others be happy. Um, and so it fits. It doesn't fit that Malcolm's actually happy 
or going out and doing any of that. But you know, it's a nice thought for art therapy. It is. At 207, I called it some manipulative Malcolm here with him and Gil. He definitely pulls the like, you know, the little emoji where the eyes are all like, and he's straight up, but dad, you love me, right? Like Mm -hmm. played that card hard to manipulate his way into a case. And Gil, of course, being the marshmallow he is, just melts like butter anytime Bright asks him to do something. Um, And then he plays the Jessica emoji card as well, like the please, like a second time in a row immediately. It's a little manipulative, I'm not gonna lie. Very manipulative. I I also secretly really want, well, not so secretly, I want to know his middle name. And anytime they make those jokes about like trauma is my middle name and injury is my middle name and falling Mm. out of a car and never going to the hospital is my middle name. I really want to know what his middle name is. (laughs) I would love, I would absolutely adore if his middle name was Martin. I would adore it. It would be so horrible and fantastic because I mean, Malcolm Martin Whitley. It kind of goes a little bit. I know. <laughs> that's the thing. It brings the bile in the back of your throat, but it would make sense. And I would love that, like, we find out later that Martin kind of dad yells at him with the middle name, and it turns out that it's him, and it would be amazing. I mean, the I mean, entire the, fandom would explode and be super pissed, but yeah, I would enjoy th- it. That is well. accurate for uh, Trauma's my middle name. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well played, uh, miss. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the 319-ish mark, we are inside this meatpacking plant. And one of the things that Tom Live tweeted at the time was the fact that they were actually in the meatpacking district of New York City, like inside like these giant refrigerated chambers. Um, and you can tell by looking at them and the, like the breath leaving when they speak. But he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it was frigid in there. I'm like, yeah, I imagine it probably was. Mm. At the 345 mark, we actually have our first example of a couple times in the episode where we are backlighting characters again. And in season one, when we backlit characters, it usually indicated that they were in peril or danger. So, for example, um, when Malcolm in Q&A, when Malcolm is trying to chase down, you know, the the convict that's out or whatever, um, he's always backlit, like the red light flashes behind him. He's in shadow. When Jess is speaking to the reporters in um, Silent Night, we see her backlit when she's like exposing herself and and really out there trying to get some help to find the girl in the boxes. And in this season, I feel like we're backlighting for different reasons. Like, I feel like we're backlighting to show that characters are hiding something, that they're in shadow. Um, That tends to be a theme that's happening a lot. Um, in this season and so Malcolm is backlit when he's like down at the end of this meet thing and he's um, getting ready to talk about like who are you talking about and then Gil just straight up says you Um, (laughs) that's a thing like that it starts to backlight they do him a couple times and we hit a couple other characters as it happens but much like how our delightful Kara looks right now yeah with the backlight although you have the front light at least so we still see the face Yes, um, which exactly. is you know who I am. I'm not hiding anything. <laughs> I thought if you had no front light, it would very much be like one of those witness protection interviews, and we yes. should make the voice be like, "I have yep. no idea what he did." <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, so backlighting has kind of shifted. It was something I repeatedly talked about in write-ups for season one, um, 
and I kind of like it because there's just so much more deception in this season. Um, oh yeah it was really exploration and learning in season one and now it's just hide from everyone and so we're cloaking Mm -hmm. all of our characters in darkness yes and it's not just because we have really dark lighting it's deliberate Mm -hmm. um (laughs) at 4 39 we have the first of many file inducing moments for me for this episode (laughs) i'm gonna take a deep breath and swallow the nausea this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> Seriously, and at least this, what's so funny is we know in advance that we all have some differing opinions on things, but this is the one thing that we will all consistently agree on. Ew. Ew. Um, Ma- first of all, Martin, like, checking his hair when Capshaw comes in. Like, Mr. Whitley, it's a rat nest of hilarious curls. Like, oh. that, it's always going to be that way. Mm-hmm. It ain't changing. When he says the phrase, the things I could do to your dignity, a little part of me died. (laughs) Like, it was a good, it's a good line. But in that whole context, yeah, Yeah. no, no, we were all like, "Mm, nope, no, thank you. I I said that Caroline at some point in this scene, or I think I think I told everybody, but I'm pretty sure I tagged Caroline in Discord, and I was just like, "He's Ted Bundy levels of oh yeah, uncomfortable, yeah, he's not taking no for an answer." Mm-hmm. Yes, he thinks he. I wasn't cool with that. Beautiful. I mean, and wonderful, and yes, yeah. I'm I mean, a pretty it's man. Perfectly, <laughs> it's perfectly on par for him. Mm-hmm. But we've got more of that this episode than I think we ever have. And it was yes. just like... We got way more of Martin this episode than I ever, ever, <laughs> wanted. ever yes. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely on par. It wasn't out of left field. It wasn't no. out of character. It was just interesting and... Bleh. I had a pretty <laughs> consistent have. case of like the heebie-jeebies for yes. the entire episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. just when yeah. I would be getting out of it and I would cleanse my palate it would be like oh, no. yes mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm sure that this was like his way of like turning on the charm and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you know in hindsight like well before we knew exactly who he was like who knows maybe this could have this charisma this disgusting personality that he has yeah like this toilet bowl personality charisma. that he actually has could have worked <laughs> on people but now it's just like you're in prison garb you kill 23 people sit down <laughs> it's yeah. straight up take a sit seat down. Yeah. Um, and immediately in this scene we backlight martin yep so he's got like this side window of of sunshine coming through and as soon as he kind of flips the like i think she says something like this is over and he says like you know oh I don't even know but it's one of those little like you think it's over you know kind of backhanded mm-hmm. comments at the end and he's half backlit too because he's creepy AF as well mm-hmm. and also I just have a quick question like I know that there are orderlies in there like at what point are we back to the orderlies completely disregarding anything that happens in yeah. the room because he's supposed to be chained up and kept in certain areas to limit touching Again, as someone that worked in a prison, being within that space is like grounds for written reprimand. Like it's a huge deal because 
A, you're not supposed to bang the inmates, but two, <laughs> you, like you, that can risk your life or death. And then that's lawsuits against the president and this and that and the other, like it's a huge no-no. And at one point we have two of them in the room mm-hmm. watching their little seductive conga Thing. of gross. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like it, like they're just, like it's yeah. like Mr. David listening to him talk about all the people he's murdered. Like, come on, mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. At some point, you go, excuse me, ew, yeah. <laughs> from the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah, Mom, can you come pick me else, up? I'm scared. <laughs> if nothing else, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't even care if it's against company policy. Ugh. Like, yeah. Just yeah. stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not even like the physical things going on, but like he's clearly, like he's calling her nicknames and pet names and she's not comfortable with it so like i know one of the things you've mentioned angie uh regarding working in the prison was like there's certain things that you could say and they could say or not say so like it's not just a. it wasn't like they had to be even paying attention to his physical proximity to her it's Mm -hmm. like hello do you guys have ears do you listen what's coming out of his mouth Mm -hmm. right like the minute he called her vivian instead of dr capshaw that would have yeah. been no that, you don't because yeah, like for me it was always miss last name mm-hmm. like no one ever went Ange. like excuse me yeah, you don't no, get like we're not friends we're not we're not speaking that way thanks very mm-hmm. much um so yeah there's just a whole lot of like they're off you know what we say baseball stats is what mr david was doing that's what they're just you know talking about whatever the yankees record is at this point in the spring at 619 we have the one of many times we have the talk to our boy discussions between Gil and Danny. Mm -hmm. And I love it because in the previous episodes that this has happened, it's been a, have you checked in? Like I've talked to him. Have you talked to him? Let's confab. And I feel like this one was the first time that it was really, you need to be the one. Like, I feel like Gil is passing the torch. Like he understands that he's not, I said number one on the call sheet anymore for Malcolm Mm. like he is not the first line of confidant Danny is and so he Mm. immediately says I need you to talk to him like that's your job now you know because y'all in love but you ain't admitting it yet but that's yep and I know that (laughs) yeah and Gil's like these idiots like these two (laughs) morons like forgot like he's trying he has been team Brightwell from day one Bright you and Danny Bright you and Danny Danny pal you and Bright all Mm. the time constantly He's driving the ship. He is Captain Gill. I, I wrote in there, Gill is captain of the USS Brightwell. <laughs> he, he, God See? bless him. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Tom's admitting that the little slide in was all him. Probably yes. slap happy filming. And he just like scoots straight in. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, I love it. It makes me super happy. And I just love that the tweet he like wrote it, he said something like nope just thought that it would be fun period like I just for some reason I love the period at the end it just (laughs) I don't know for whatever reason people people's personality sometimes comes through the way they Mm -hmm. text sometimes it doesn't but I just like to think it was it was just it was like nope it would be fun like kind of a (laughs) a playful pride because it was very similar to when he responded to Brit about the access thing because she asked, oh, like, did you jump on the back of the thing? Or was that in the script? And he's like, no, I just wanted to do it. And then I did. <laughs> like, that was, that was just so matter of fact. I thought it would be funny. Yep. So I did it. So why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
at um at 7:33. So the moment is is the bird video. It's like they're watching this horrific bird video, but I could not stop laughing at our three lead males reactions. They are so dead on for each character. Like you just have JT arms crossed and pissed. Like Stone who the hell yeah. does this? Gil is full on. <laughs> like just mouth is covered and and then Malcolm is like so livid he's ready to go to war so like there's a special place in hell and he's like oh yeah and you know for people that kill birds and then he has to add comma and people and humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. like they're so perfectly on point for each character like Gil is like about to vomit it is the funniest thing <laughs> Yeah, and I saw that and I was like, oh, Malcolm likes birds too, which duh, he has a parakeet. Mm-hmm. He has a budgie. Yes. But yeah, but but I, I like birds. I like the burbs. <laughs> I am an angel sent by yes. God. Were you there when oh they crucified my Lord? <laughs> so at the 7.33 mark, we turn from, you know, bird disgust to see Adresa in front of this murder board that I'm not kidding you. All I could think of was my freshman students giving a presentation. First of all, she looks like she could be one. Like she could be a freshman in high school. It's believable. But all I can see is like one of my students being like, how to presentation and then like discussing on the board. I just want to pinch her. Uh, (laughs) However, we learn a great deal of intel in this scene based on some things that people might not know. And I am not an expert in that. So I'm going to throw that over to Caroline. To you, my lady. Um, I actually want to just jump back a second to the whole bird video because it was at this point that I said in the Discord, I was like adding Jess and being like, did you ever watch like don't, oh, I can't swear. Oh, well, they, they, they say don't F. Yeah, don't F with cats. Okay, so that's what you were referring to. No, I refuse to watch it. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. if anyone me. actually has seen that, like I have, which oh, I very much regret. Um, I feel like this case in the show was based on that case, um, which is honestly perfectly fitting because that whole documentary, that whole case um, was about a team of web sleuths who helped hunt down and identify a man who went from posting videos online of him disturbingly murdering cats to murdering a human being. And the whole case is just awful. Um, So I highly recommend if you actually want to, you don't see the cats being killed. I must make that very clear. (laughs) I would not have watched that ever. Um, If you would like to see these parallels that I'm drawing, I highly recommend it because you get to see web sleuths aka armchair detectives, citizen detectives, online vigilantes, just like Adresa's mentioning, like in their free time, in their downtime, looking and hunting down killers. And it's actually really nice that Malcolm like affirms the role of web sleuths in helping solve these cases. Because yeah. I honestly, when we had found out that this was what the episode was going to be about, I got a little bit worried because there tends to be a lot of like mockery of people who do this and I I honestly include myself in some of this because I've totally done this before um 
you know, like you're not an actual detective, you're not an actual police officer, like you're just, you know, like putting your kids to bed as one of the killabusters says later in the episode. But no, these are actual people who but do those people think that the web sleuths like don't know that? Like, yeah, like it's kind of just like like they're like, oh my god, I'm not. Like, of course they know that. They like to yeah. do this. It's a hobby. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know yeah. that I don't write best selling novels. I write fan fiction. They get like three comments on Ao3. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, you don't just get three comments. Yeah, you get, you get <laughs> shut up novels. <laughs> but I don't like. I know I'm not on like the New York Times best selling list. Like, duh. I do yeah. it in my free time exactly yeah. yeah and you know they still even if like in the same way that if you write fan fiction and you're not like a New York Times best-selling author you still write good stuff like these people mm -hmm. do good research and yeah. often are people who my headphone just fell out <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've had it with this day <laughs> it's a weird day Brooke's gonna be like damn it I they did so well last week. We gave week. her a great episode last week and she was like, I didn't have to do much and today it's like, Brent. that's fine. This will just be the fodder for the blooper reel for season yes. two. It'll all be yes. from this episode. Exactly. <laughs> all right. You got it, Carol. Go, babe. They, yeah. No, they have value and honestly, it's nice to have a fresh set of eyes or people with different, totally different skill sets. You know, I have one of the cases that I've actually done some web sleuthing on. They had a um, physical therapists looking at the way somebody was walking in a video to like see you know build a profile based on that um, and also I loved Malcolm's comment about um, he mentioned how web sleuths helped take down the Golden State Killer um, that was definitely in reference to a lot of people but mostly in reference to Michelle McNamara who most people knew her as the wife of comedian Patton Oswalt, but she was also a writer and a web sleuth who mm -hmm. did not catch the Golden State Killer, but gave him that moniker because he had been known as several other names and helped draw attention to him. And it was especially really fitting because we lost her. She passed away before finishing her book on this case three years ago, five years ago yesterday. Um, and tomorrow will be the day that the Golden State Killer was caught. So mm -hmm. very, very timely. I remember yeah. when that happened. Yeah, yeah I do too. I have no idea. I so I have actually happened. heard of her from yeah. like previous discussions on Criminal Minds and shows that brought that stuff up. I had no idea that she was the wife of Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that just like it did. You should watch my <laughs> eyebrows. I just went. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh very interesting yeah so you know i i have my copy here i love this book Aww. this is the best book that i've ever read and i'm saying this as someone who used to love reading and absolutely hates doing it now mm -hmm. if you love reading I, this book has been damaged by water and every other thing <laughs> known to man i love this book to pieces i highly recommend it even if you don't read read this mm -hmm. it's beautiful what's the title i'll be gone in the dark and there's a you know just to throw it out there for people yeah. yeah, and there's a documentary <laughs> on of HBO. Her, uh, whole process with that of the same name, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yes, exactly. So. And then up to her, because unfortunately she passed away in the writing of this book. And then it was all about yeah. how Patton and a couple other very important people um, 
took on the book and took on the case basically after she yeah. passed away. So it's Aww. very lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Happy sadness. Yes, it is. <laughs> Essentially yes. is what that is. Yes. So there was a good, there was definitely a good outcome to it. And a lot of the work that she did definitely led to them being able to, to catch this guy eventually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's not well, that's kind of like Adrisa's comment which is seriously meant as like a ouch you know where she's yes. like well you know we're way smarter than the police are but like not every police station has a ton of this like mm -hmm. equipment you see on television and the capabilities and even she said bandwidth like that's not yep. a joke yeah no it certain, isn't like if you go especially like into very rural areas like that's not a joke no no and, and sometimes that's... you need help like yeah yeah that that was something I I had made a point of uh, of mentioning when I was you know noting when I was uh, rewatching it was uh, Gil was like Gil Gil verbally goes oof yeah and I was like and she was like well you know not that wasn't like to any of you guys but it, it's true like yep. not every cop is meant to be a detective yeah and politics aside from everything that's going on like we know that like there's certain mindsets and things like that and you know th there's various different positions uh as as a cop so not everyone's a detective and not everyone has an investigator's brain yeah uh, but aside from that yes the bandwidth like outside of cities and stuff oh, we don't have that i mean my state has one crime lab for the entire state hello i'm in rhode island like we don't we don't uh <laughs> So like if we have one crime lab for everything coming in in all like 52 or whatever towns that we have here, like some of our towns have next to nothing bandwidth wise. Right. Um, yeah, but, exactly. but other than that, like like crowdsourcing is a thing for mm -hmm. a lot of for businesses and fundraising and things like that. So um, you get a large group of people like where are you going to get cops that have, you know, knowledge and writing and teaching and music and cinematography and neuroscience and medical and things like that you're probably not going to so now, I do have a question as someone who like I know about West Sleuthing but I don't like know about West Sleuthing mm -hmm. um so is the biggest concern there like acquisition of evidence illegally is that kind of the biggest concern with that so like if like with this whole scenario, right? Like they find later, they find the, the security camera footage, blah, blah, blah. Would any of that be admissible into court because of the way that it was gotten? It, I think it or depends. Or is it just like, okay, we found him and now we got to connect the dots legally? Yeah, like, I think it depends mm -hmm. on like, if it's publicly accessible stuff. So like a lot of people mm -hmm. have their own security cameras on their house. Mm -hmm. okay yeah offer that up into evidence it should be admissible i mean look at chris Watt, the chris watts case yeah. most of the evidence is sitting right there on the neighbor's security mm -hmm. camera so that's so definitely for, for the sake of this show when they say like someone in thai was it thailand or taiwan like thailand, got the evidence yeah. and she's like do you do i want to know and they're like no like so that implies like okay, that implies that it was, went down yeah and probably yeah. not curious I yeah, would say not admissible. I would say yeah. that they don't, because like for instance, Michelle was able to hunt down a pair of cufflinks that had supposedly he, the Golden State Killer, had like it. No, it actually it ended up being a dead end. But that was something that she could have done because she didn't have as much red tape as like mm -hmm. a police officer would have. Um, right. But it's all. I feel like it's always on a case by case basis, Definitely. and it depends on what yeah. it is. 
definitely. But yeah, if someone did something really sketch and illegal and they were like, you know, you should not have access to this, it may not be... Right, it would be like, yeah, thanks, right. but now we can't use it. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, yeah, and that's the other, that's where the other problem comes from. It's like, okay, you got us this evidence, but now we can't do anything with it. Yeah, good to know. Doesn't yeah. help. So. so in that same scene, I just want to throw out the English teacher in me absolutely adores the pun that is her name, Kama Sutras. It is amazing. I don't know who, if it was strictly this writer or if that was like a pitch day and we just had everyone in the room come up with this completely hilarious, but it's an amazing username. I love it. Mm -hmm. And Frank, Frank's like, hmm? like <laughs> what goes up really high? And he's like, oh my God. Yep. He's like more of this. Yep. Should have um, called in to work today. <laughs> so I wrote in a little moment here since this is kind of where it starts. Um, we mentioned a minute ago that we are all kind of of differing opinions on this episode. It's kind of the first time that that's really occurred for us mm -hmm. to have pretty diametrically opposed, opposed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> opinions. Yeah, I can't say it without finishing the line of the song. Sorry. You gotta do it. Um, for me, and this is strictly my opinion based. Um, I was a little frustrated with this episode, less so the second time around. The first time I watched it, this particular fact I'm about to talk about kind of tainted a lot of the other parts for me because I kept mulling it over. Um, second time around, uh, it was definitely a little bit more forgiving, but I'm still kind of frustrated with the fact that this episode was very heavily marketed as like, it's Adresa-centric. And like, okay, Adresa-centric, cool. She's going to be at the front. That's awesome. We haven't seen her a lot. Perfect. And maybe it was me putting expectations on it, but with things that were posted on Twitter from the actors and producers and the Fox, you know, it was like, we're going to get character development and deep dive into backstory and blah, blah, blah. No, not so mm -hmm. much. Um, mm -hmm. So don't get me wrong. She's adorable. And I love that we got way more of her in this episode, but I'm still a little frustrated that she, she didn't get to be a badass Emmy. She didn't solve the case. Bright's still mm -hmm. the one that solved the case. She, in a minute, there was a really great scene with the two of them in the conference room that I adored. That was yes. my favorite part yes, of definitely. her in this episode. But the majority of it was, again, her running around being a little sex joke machine. And I was a little bit like, we had an opportunity for her to like take the lead yeah. and figure some stuff out and be like, no, look, my group does good work. Look, we know this, I'm gonna put it together. And it's still Malcolm that puts everything together. Yeah. And I was a little frustrated with that. Like, I thought if we were going to get Adresa some realistic and badass time, I wanted her to show up the team for once. Mm -hmm. I wanted the team to be lost. And I wanted <laughs> Adresa to figure it out and be like, see, Effers, like, I'm a valuable member of this team. Yeah. Um, and I felt like we, we maybe missed a little bit of opportunity there in the name of some bondage jokes and some things like that. That like, yeah, it's funny. And Keiko's comedic timing is, is hilarious. I love her. <laughs> Comedy is clearly her niche for sure. But I just, nah, it, it bothered me a lot. Um, you know, I've moved a little bit past it, like I said, having watched it again, but it just, I felt like it was a really, Keiko had an opportunity and maybe she doesn't care. Maybe she's full on like, I love comedy. Let's go. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if so, cool. Then Keiko's happy. So I'll be happy. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there were I some, just, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. There were some scenes that I was like, kind of like happy for her to get like these scenes and those happened much later, but Mm -hmm. other than the conference room stuff I was kind of just like 
okay, I'm kind of beating this dead horse here. I'm like, yeah. And here's the thing I want to say right now, like this has nothing to do with her being like sexually autonomous. Like you go, yeah. girl, no. you tell people oh, yeah, I'm yeah. into bondage no. and you give the guy your phone number and say, call me. I'd like to bang yeah. you on a first date. Cause that's what yes. I want to do. <laughs> yes. And that's no, no judgment. Like you do you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> like I, I love that. And I did like, like them being together. It felt a little disjointed and quick and whatever, but I love, let's get our love interest. He's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's a gentleman. Like we'll get yes. to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like I don't mind that. I just don't want her to be consistently reduced to either sexually pining over Malcolm or sexually pining over another guy. Mm-hmm. Like she is a multi-dimensional, yeah. dynamic, not static character. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want it to constantly be like sex jokes. Because I was saying in our Discord, I feel like some of the quote humor that comes from the sex joke is that she's not supposed to be taken as a sexy woman. So when she says these things, it's like, ooh, she likes bondage. Like, mm-hmm. no, she's a sexy woman. Like, she's mm-hmm. adorable human. Yeah. Like, I, if I was a guy, I'd be attracted to her. Cool. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't like that sometimes we are, we're getting that, like, sidekick all in the name of the deprecating joke. Yeah. I feel like she could get better than that. Mm-hmm. But I will know. I'll get off my soapbox and I will move along. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe I'll get back on my soapbox because the next thing I have to talk about is Martin's fantasy. <laughs> yeah, we, we have many soapboxes available for tonight. So. Yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I guess we'll split it. I'll get off my ranty soapbox and get back on my gag reflex. I told you guys this. I was completely hoodwinked. I thought for sure these images and clips of Catherine Zeta-Jones in this like evening gown were just like a promotional photo shoot. Yeah, like not yeah, me too. ripped from the actual episode. I was like, oh, wow, they did right by her. Look at mm-hmm. that dress. Yeah. Okay. And then it actually showed up. And then like the other inmates in a tux and like opens the other dude from Claremont that we see frequently. <laughs> he like opens the door and she's all touching herself. And I just like, oh, no. Oh, oh. no. Like I was Malcolm in this moment. I think, what did mm-hmm. you say the phrase? That's super gross. Yes. Yeah, yeah he was just Agreed. like, that is super gross. <laughs> I just wrote, yes, it is super gross. Check, please. How do I get off this ride? Check, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the world um, I want to get off. I mean, if you all want to talk more about it, like, here's the thing. I was a little grossed out by it in general because we are not an overtly sexual show. No. Now, like the Adresa jokes and the stuff that happened are fine. This was like another step. Like even the moments where Malcolm has had sex, it's very like pre-kiss, cut away implied sex you know like that that we we are not until you know brightwell happens of course um gonna have like a full (laughs) sex scene from like beginning to business um and it just it really creeps me out that like our first moment that any of this stuff is happening is martin (laughs) (laughs) i'm not okay guys i need a minute (laughs) this is freaking me out Mm -hmm. one of the things that i wasn't sure of what may have been happening in this scene is so Malcolm obviously quickly figures out he's hallucinating because he even tells he him went. and Martin's like no no I'm fine and he's like dude like really I'm I'm not I'm not a dumbass like I think you're pitching a profiler a I can tell what's yeah, happening yeah. I'm a profiler <laughs> I know what this looks like but I'm curious if this scene was written with Malcolm thinking that Martin was fantasizing murder Ooh. or if it was implied 
you know, obviously not something we know, but if it, you know, if the context is he's fantasizing over something sexual. So this is interesting because I wrote a bullet that I skipped because I got so focused on you're gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you just played right into this. So my Sweet. first bullet, my first bullet under here is, so that he very weirdly describes this quiet time. Is it literally mm. like sexual gratification time and the guards are going to leave you alone? Because here's the thing, that's a thing in prison. Like there I'm are, sure. I mean, thank God as a female, I was never <laughs> really subjected to these moments, but there is kind of like an unwritten rule of like time in your cell where the guards are essentially like, we're still going to guard, but you do you for a minute. Let, let's all because here's the thing people are less don't know that. agitate agitatable right. um like when they have had release makes sense you know it's a thing and the way he describes like it's our alone time to contemplate blah blah it sounded very much like Mold it's masturbation time like that's what it's <laughs> you know what i mean so then i wonder if that was like a clue and then <laughs> malcolm is just full on like oh my god because he's like yeah, that's, together. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it wasn't was... fully like said. Nothing was explicitly right. said. Obviously, we know because we're watching his hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I love being here. I love oh, this week is part of it. Oh boy. Uh yeah. Yeah. So that's but then we we do see at the end of that fantasy she has blood on her face and her hand so it's and a mix that's of to both <laughs> so it's a mix of both it's not full-on murder but it's that. something oh god it's not full-on murder but it's a mix of two sex things and violence likes. yeah two things he likes yeah. and it's deliberately like all gross. over her lips so like yes. i would kiss you and taste it yeah nasty yeah, gag reflex in in full mode for this episode. Whoever for sure. whoever watches the YouTube portion of our podcast is getting a whole entire hour of ridiculous faces from us. This is <laughs> very over dramatic with my facial expressions. <laughs> Me today, too. So Me you're too. in for a treat if you're watching <laughs> yeah. visually. That's for oh, sure. Oh boy. <laughs> um. So moving on at the eleven fifty mark. This is the moment that I honestly, in terms of the Killabusta's case of the week and the Adresa stuff, was by far my favorite. It's the conversation between Malcolm and Adresa at the conference table. The mm -hmm. first thing I love is just absolutely how casual they're sitting there. Mm -hmm. She's sitting there like holding her cup. Malcolm is like this. He's like, hand yeah, on he's face. His cheeks. Like, like It's literally like we hang out and watch nerd movies together because, you know, we are comfortable. And I really mm -hmm. like that. I thought that was cute. Yes. Um, I like that we, this is kind of the one time we got a little bit of backstory about Adresa mm -hmm. as well. So she mm -hmm. mentions that her parents went on research trips. There's no bigger detail than that, but that tells us for sure they're in academia. Like that was their line of work. They were academics of some kind. They were doing some research studies of some kind. So that could mean anything from MD to PhD to some, you know, some type of crazy bioscience. Like there are a lot of things you could be researching um, on trips. I'm assuming it's something medical-ish or medical adjacent for the things that she was maybe exposed to when she said mm -hmm. she saw her first cadaver and some other things like that. Although she was um, also with a voodoo doll, so right, that's maybe not one of them exactly is like an anthropologist and the other one is like something medical biology or something. I, I, I don't care. I love it. 
yeah so it was really nice to be like okay well there, she's a very intellectual and academic woman coming from a line of those people clearly of people, yeah. um so i loved that i loved that they bond over this like you know she says the phrase when it comes to making friends i didn't really fit in like ding mm -hmm. ding ding malcolm is like <laughs> waving the flag I, yeah I, you know <laughs> i he, get you girl <laughs> yeah like you're my people mm -hmm. um and then i just loved the uh, Adris is talking about the Kilobus is saying like when you put all these misfits and all of us together we're a family mm -hmm. and at that exact moment JT comes in which is literally like Malcolm's looking up at him and that's like this is his we're a family mm -hmm. found mm -hmm. family at the NYPD is his group of misfits that he fits into and I'll get into that later um, with some things that happen in the climactic moment of, mm -hmm. of the episode um so it was, it was just so genuine and both the actors did a great job and they were so cute and adorable. And we got a little bit of a Dresa backstory, not enough for me, but I will accept and hopefully we can get some more. I may have been reading too much of, into this, but when Adresa said the word family and then it panned back to Malcolm, I thought that he had kind of a weird facial expression, like as we will find out later in that climactic scene, like this whole found family thing is really starting to eat away at him mm. because of everything that's going on. So that's kind of what I saw, but I don't know if I was reading too much into that. Um, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that was just something, it, I could be totally wrong, but he just, it was one of those things that it was like he had a reaction to it, but not a full visceral reaction. But like, I saw his eyes change a little bit and I was like, oh, he knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, found family is is like a trope that i'm a sucker for i love it mm -hmm. so much so agreed, agreed. <laughs> so i am always I mean, a like that's your group of friends like that's that's us that's, that's us. yeah that's us you know our csa group like our whole everybody behind the scenes all that like that's our found yeah. family mm -hmm. like, we yeah. tell each other things that are incredibly way too much detail of, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. hey guys you're about to get the whole down low on my day mm -hmm. like you know all that kind of stuff but that's that's what you are found family. Yeah. <laughs> Group hug. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on at thirteen forty-five, and I know we all gonna have something to say. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> we have we have the kind of the heart to heart in the car between Danny and Malcolm, and I, I only have like a couple bullet points, so I'll say my stuff, and then y'all can can join it. Um, first of all, I absolutely love this motif where they've made many of the important kind of deep conversations between Danny and Malcolm in small spaces. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. In cars and elevators, in situations where they are very kind of enclosed. I like that because it's like, it's just them. It's their like little trust cocoon mm. where they can, <clears throat> excuse me, um, be there and be present and, and be able to discuss um the first thing i want to hit on is the score obviously because i'm <laughs> me um <laughs> the music that plays is a blend of like a new melody that happens with a piano and the drink more tea with friends so it opens with a couple of those notes and i was like oh we're reusing it again let's go but then it changes so the same kind of sound um it's an electric synthesized sound so i can't really describe it as an actual instrument but um, if you listen to that Drink More Tea with Friends 
what's the word I'm looking for? Motif? Or music, song, whatever. I don't know why I just lost my brain function. (laughs) 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 No, you're done. Seizure. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's, there's this kind of theme that it sounds almost like a piano meets like an organ meets like this really cute little high pitched thing. That's it's really adorable. And then they add a straight piano ballad over it while Danny is like discussing the, the stuff that happened when she was undercover, which pianos are stereotypically um, very much like your romantic ballad things that, I mean, that's pretty, you can still get like your phantom of the opera banging on the piano as well. But 95% of the time, if it's in a melody, it's meant to be like sweeter um, and romantic in this case, like a genuine conversation. Isn't it also kind of like backstory? Go ahead. Oh, isn't it also for kind of like sad stuff too? Like I can think of oh, so absolutely. many sad yeah. piano yes. songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So ballads by definition are either going to be love songs or tragic songs. Yeah. Like that's, that's what they are. Yeah. Um, so yes, you're either going to have this, like, I love you declaration or like, he's gone, you know, like yes. some horrible, <laughs> depressing moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so I love that we get a little bit more detail about her time undercover. Mm -hmm. I have like an entire headcanon about how all that went down. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to hear like what my thoughts are versus, you know, the actual canonized stuff. Um, I really, I don't want to say the word enjoyed because that sounds weird, but I really like the discussion she had where she said she felt like she deserved it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's heartbreaking and beautiful writing, very well performed it was a really well-written moment yeah and it was really hurt like she that's really a vulnerable thing for her to say to Malcolm yeah Danny and I I feel are a little similar in the like we're kind of tough exterior it's hard to crack mm-hmm. and we don't show a lot of vulnerability to people unless we truly truly trust them to handle that so it was it was nice because she did she opened up and basically she's talking about Odin and she's talking about cocaine use mm-hmm. about the fact that she lost someone and felt guilty like it was all very open moment there mm-hmm. yeah um, and that I deserve this that she said like first of all Aurora was just fantastic in that scene just the emotion in her voice and whatnot mm-hmm. but the the I deserve this that's another line that echoes stuff on Malcolm's side things that are going on in Malcolm's mm-hmm. head like he pretty much I mean I, f- I feel like he says things later on in the episode that shows that he thinks he deserves everything wrong that's going on and anything wrong that happens to him yep so dead on mm-hmm. what do you got Kara? add to the flame <laughs> add to the, oh no all practically crying as it is let's go yeah no there's like flames talk about a monsoon going on behind my eyeballs um <laughs> i think that like this whole scene was upsetting from beginning to end. I just want to go back to like the very beginning when Malcolm unbuckles the seatbelt. And I just, even if from a plot perspective, we knew that they were going to have a heart to heart, my like personal experience, cause I've had these conversations with friends before in the car where my friend has been driving and I was like, let's get out. And I'm like, you're not getting out. What's going on? No, like, <laughs> like here it comes. Not today. <laughs> I have been both people on both sides of the situation in mm-hmm. this episode is why I have different opinions about it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It, it was really hard for me to hear Danny's story mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's both 
honest and vulnerable, which are both things that Malcolm really struggles with and that she clearly struggles with too. And you can tell that Malcolm is kind of trying to process how he's gonna like respond to her, but also not tell her what right. is what he's feeling back to her. Cause she was yeah. kind of, she was making a point out of this. She wasn't just telling him this for, you know, whatever reason she was telling yeah. him this to be like, let me be very open and honest with you now, you know, here you go. I knocked my walls down. You knock yours down and let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And he is just trying to process this. Like, do I say, sorry, do I say like, you know, what do I do to express my sympathy, but not reveal my sort of thing, which is also very much something that I have had to deal with, but mm-hmm. it's just really, yeah, it was, it hits. It, it hits it hits so hard and just the the one tear that's on Danny's mm. cheek as she's and her voice and yes like, and the way that her you she can was hear the like I've had drainage from crying and it's affecting me yes well no it's not well actually no it's not that I've had drainage from crying it is the post nasal drip that is building up and <laughs> right <laughs> like it's yes it is her about to cry voice which is honestly something that I've noticed when I found out that actors like can train themselves to cry I was like appalled by this but because they can be like crying but their faces are red they aren't like <laughs> like dying but she was like actually like I think that she worked herself up to cry with this which like mm-hmm. it was just it was so much um and I just love how she talks about saying like you you have to face your trauma Mm-hmm. because he is definitely not but she him for the whole rest of this arc i think yes is yep. gonna be him like just when is the bottle gonna burst like you shake yeah. it enough, it's it's gonna explode yes exactly you cannot run away from this forever but it's her saying you don't have to face it alone and mm-hmm. i, I just, know that's definitely a favorite line of mine from this scene because like that's just that's me as a person like that's who I am to other people and you know I it's stereotypical of someone who wants to be there for other people and you know give people the ability to vent and whatnot Mm -hmm. I don't like to open up and put that burden on other people but mm-hmm. I know I need to yeah. so uh that's just that's you know that's something that is a major characteristic of me of you know you don't have to do this alone if mm-hmm. you try it's gonna get worse <laughs> yeah so going and it is something that that Caroline said she said you know, that Bright was trying to figure out how to word his response to her and all that. Um, I found a glitch in the episode. Well, I don't want to say glitch. There's a funky audio moment in this episode. And I thought maybe it was our copy. So I went to Hulu. Nope. It happened in Hulu as well. Um, So the moment that Bright says, I'm sorry, you can hear like when they record audio live, you can hear like some background sound a little bit. As soon as he says, I'm sorry, it cuts off very kind of weirdly. And it either, I can't tell if Danny just opens her mouth and nothing came out or if it cuts off like a stuttered I 
I don't want your sympathy. But the first time she opens her mouth, there is no sound. And there's a weird, like, you know how if you're listening- Yeah, it was, it was an it audio just disappears. It's like an yeah. absence of sound that should be there. Yeah. Like something went on there that was a little weird. Or as um, one of our producers, Joy, was talking about, like maybe it was two different um, cuts, like two different yeah. shots. And so then the background would have sounded differently for those. In that case, that really should have been covered up in ADR because it's a noticeable thing. Like yeah. eh, that was funky. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah. I love the fact that we are using the phrase pulling a bright as though it is a verb. I like yes. it. It also I'm reminds me of, it reminds me of The Office. Uh, if anyone watches The Office, there's an episode where Andy tries to make shrewded it a thing because he's angry at Dwight. He's like, oh, I screwed that up. I really shrewded it. And so like, he's literally like, we're brighting it. So like, that's what we've decided to do now. So anytime someone screws up, it's just be like, did you bright it? Oh yeah, I brighted it. That was horrible. That's fantastic. Which and leads Danny's us to- so done with her. God bless. <laughs> Danny's like, that's great. Just don't make it a habit, please. <laughs> yeah, like we no, we can do, we only have one person available to yes. make these idiotic decisions. Yes. We cannot yeah. add a second. Yeah, can only, can only take so many. Uh, I cannot yep. not discuss the fact that Bright stands in front of a moving vehicle like a complete dumbass. Yeah. Um, shout out to his shoe. That <laughs> was it his shoe? I thought it was a glove. No, it was a shoe. It flies. I missed like, it the first time. Into a trash can across the street. So stuntman, whatever. That was impressive. <laughs> My second comment about this, because I'm not even gonna take the time to acknowledge the absolute idiocy of the fact that once again, Bright gets hurt and we ain't taking him anywhere to get handled. Um, no way in hell did in that space of concrete that car go fast enough. For him to roll up over and back okay. no would he roll across the hood maybe or would he maybe bounce back five feet yes yeah. you have to be going like a substantial amount for someone to roll across the back of your vehicle and they were what one house away down the street yeah not even so even if they gunned that hybrid they would be going like 10 miles an hour by the time they reached him and that is not fly across the back of the car material I get that, you know, a slight bump and a look at the hood is not as dramatic as him mm -hmm. flying across the back. It makes for better television. But once again, logistically, I call BS. Yeah. He honestly, he probably could have gotten more hurt, if anything, with the way that the car was coming at him. Like, he probably would have gone underneath the car. Right. <laughs> Sure. but that's not as dramatic either no. and then you know yeah out, then he has to go to the hospital we don't have time for that like what we ain't we got time for that <laughs> which which introduces us to our three kind of special guests of the week um we had Stephen Boyer Maria Diazza and Michael Luaye I said it correctly yeah um I'm gonna focus on Michael Luaye he was the guy that played Blaze did an excellent job bravo to you sir um specifically thank you Carrie for the BA intel um, our boy Michael is a Broadway fella and is the first person to play both Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr in Hamilton. 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 Which is really <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'm loving the fact that we've been quarantined, stuck in New York, and we're just pulling every mm -hmm. amazing <laughs> from Broadway we possibly can. Still pissed Aaron Tveit has not made an appearance, but that's fine. Um, but that's really, I mean, those are two very demanding parts. And if you're just flip-flopping between them, even if it's like for six months at a time, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Like 
very impressive. So super cool. You rocked. I enjoyed you. Honestly, I hope you come back sometime. Mm-hmm. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to skip that these are my friends from online because that's literally us and it makes yes. me so happy. Yes. <laughs> like when we first went to Rhode Island, so many of my people were like, do you really know these people? Are you about to go get axe murdered in Rhode Island by people that are claiming to be who they are? So just the, the absurdity of like, no, these are my best friends. We're all in love with me. And I'm like, no, we are those people. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> At 1655, we have the first, I guess, reappearance as as Martin as Malcolm's subconscious. <laughs> um, so I just want to remind, like, in these moments, this is not Martin. This mm-hmm. is Malcolm's psyche talking to himself. Mm-hmm. He shows up as Martin because Martin is his tormentor. And his psyche is tormenting him with this information. So that's the connection there. And I mean, we can always have more Michael Sheen. So that's fine. Um, Straight up. I, we are definitely feeling the effects of head case at this point. So Mm -hmm. we know that his psyche immediately does like, like, maybe you should tell Danny eyebrows, wink, wink, Simon Hawksley (laughs) facial expressions. (laughs) Like, you know, he, he's very much, you should tell Danny. Um, and at the very least, get the burden off your chest, right? His psyche is mocking him like you need to tell someone and then mocking him even more with the it should be Danny because of things that have happened in previous episodes. Um, I, I really feel bad for him. And I love these scenes. They're well-written. And I like that they played it as Martin again, like bringing it back from you know the job and other episodes where that's happened. But it makes it kind of all the more painful because you have to keep reminding yourself that this is Ma- Malcolm saying those things to himself. It's really yep. easy to forget and just be like, oh, Martin's a jackass and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's Malcolm. It's Malcolm mm-hmm. literally torturing himself with, I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that. Here's what I really want, Psyche, and you're going to mock me and say it constantly, but mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. And that just, huh, poor guy. He's gone through so much. Yeah. Um, at 2012, we have Gil bringing intel to Jess. And the, I just, I have to make this comment. He is the most smiley marshmallow ever in this whole yes. scene. Like from the minute he walks through the door, he is like, like his eye, like <laughs> the whole time. Like she could say like, oh, my dog died. And he'd be like, Jess. <laughs> like, like if you watch this scene even in like a bizarre moment in places that aren't exactly like ear to ear smiles he is beaming I don't know if this is Lou just like hey I finally get a Bellamy scene again we're buddies or we've had you know it's been a great day or it's 3 a.m and we've been shooting all night I don't know but he is so smiley it's the cutest mm-hmm. cutest thing ever mm-hmm. and that Especially- angle of him walking in Oh yeah, the way they like bend the, the yeah, very yeah. cool, yeah, very cool. cool. Like the, I call it the like reflection because you think that's the right yeah. way up oh, and then yeah. they flip it over. Mm. Yep. Very snazzy, very snazzy. Um, immediately following that, another thing I'm going to call BS on. I seriously doubt that the head medical examiner, regardless of how badass you are, can afford that New York apartment. That was a nice I'm just apartment. I'm just like throwing it. it out there. Like her apartment is bigger and badassier than than Malcolm's at this point. Like it it's a ama- it's huge. 
huge. Now we know that Malcolm has like an upstairs too, and probably a downstairs and a pool and a this and that and the other. But <laughs> from what we can see, like, right? Maybe the NYPD does have a psychotically amazing salary for their head ME. But that's that's an impressive, impressive apartment yeah. in yeah. the city. I forget how much they make, but they are doctors. She's a doctor. Yes. And doctors yeah. make a lot of money. Exactly. But, but mm-hmm. like a, a absolute like smaller than this room apartment in the city is like three times what I pay a mortgage every yeah. month. You know, like That's it's true. it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um like it's like tiny house, but the million dollar a month edition. Yeah. But I mean, and, Malcolm's also kind of not the person who I think would have a really grandiose apartment to begin with. Um, so in comparison to Adresa's, I don't know, maybe Adresa comes for money too. And they just haven't made you that connection. Why? Fair argument. You never know. Yeah. She could yeah. actually be. But, yeah. and it just, it reminds me so much of like all these, you know, TV shows where like in New York city, the apartments are just ginormous. And you're like, no, like Monica <laughs> and Rachel could not afford that apartment in friends. It ain't going to happen. Exactly. Sorry about mm-hmm. your luck. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but yeah, so I was just like, it's gorgeous. I'm still bitter. We saw that before Danny's apartment. Yeah. Was- I still want to see live and in-person baby Tarmel, by the way. We haven't forgot about that. Picture is not enough. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. We haven't even discussed that in the episode since, which yeah. probably means yeah. they shot out of order, which makes sense. But also- Well, they we know they shot out of order because they shot the finale like three episodes ago. And today's last oh, day yeah. on set was not the finale. Nope. It was oh, like- that's true. Yeah. 11 or something like that. Well, regardless, that was a plot not point for an episode. Not because we creep and know this information. We're not at all those people. <laughs> we are web sleuth. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's web sleuthing. It's not stalking. <laughs> Completely different. Love how you use that word to your own advantage. <laughs> oh, it fits. It's on theme. Oh, God. Okay, so we have more creepy Martin in the notes. Um, I'm loving okay, so the look at, on Caroline's face. This, so this is not the creepy moment, um, but it is a they they creepy. made the whole him getting restrained as sexual as they possibly could, oh, and it so disturbed. Like the music, <laughs> the music of that moment is very much like action flick meets porn music. Like mm-hmm. honestly, that's that's what it is, um, and because of the music and i'm i'm always kind of in tune with the music like it made me feel i was like no i don't want to oh no i don't want to feel that way so i went with the emotion of the music and then i went abort abort i was like trying to get away Mm -hmm. um but they did just like the way they restrained him and the way she was kind of like lording over him i'm like okay we're getting like full-on dominatrix Mm -hmm. up in here like what is she about to like poke him with a syringe and make him Mm -hmm. say words like like, I did not want Fifty Shades of Whitley. This is not at all <laughs> what I was interested in today. Boy. And yeah. I mean, again, I just want to throw it out. Like, I'm not hating on Michael Sheen or Catherine Zeta-Jones or even the characters necessarily individually. Just this ship is, it can sink. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it can sink. <laughs> it's just, it's creeping me out. I'm not yeah. cool with it. Yeah, that, that um, restraining was her uh, two can play at that game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we will, in the, in the interest of time, just skip on ahead to the full-on fruition of this nasty thing. Never in my life. So, like, there's kind of this trope of, like, the woman grabbing the belt and, you know, initiating yes. things. It is so unsexy for her to grab the drawstring. Draw <laughs> yeah, that was... 
Oh boy. And then to struggle with it. Cause you can tell, like, as the actress, like she's like, yes. God damn, like she's trying yes. to get it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I was like, nothing is sexier than let me take off your prison scrubs. Like <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure Grey's Anatomy does better with sex scenes than that. and that's <laughs> true, the same thing. True. Those are scrubs. <laughs> yes, true. And even like just the line about like we have to make this fast. And of course he's like, Well, no guarantees. You think I'm a two pump chump? I was like, that's not how I roll. <laughs> Yeah, like I just I was like, oh my God. And all I could think of the whole time was don't show it, don't show it, don't show yep, it, don't yep, show yep, it. Thank yep, you, yep. God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, like, yep. I was like legitimately praising every deity known to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I had and realized? Again, yeah. What I had realized halfway through this episode was that this is the ninth episode, right? Yeah. Um, and it has a lot of sex in it. And Peter Tear, the ninth episode, also had a lot of like sexual. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Very so true. I don't know. Well played. Very true. So, so every, someone's so, gonna get kidnapped so season next three, episode. Episode nine. Brightwell will go to bed. That's that's how it'll work out. That's yeah. That's how it's guaranteed. I'm good with that. Well, I said, and then someone's going to get kidnapped next episode. So. The writer oh, praying. Um, yeah. Uh, so it, I just, and again, a little part of me is bitter that like of all the people to get a good sex scene or any type of sex scene before my Brightwell ship, it's them. <laughs> now I will absolutely accept like some cute little Gillica snogging. I'm cool with that. Let's go. Yes. Like we can, we can have some, and again, let's do it like pied a terre. Like let's make out a little bit and have some cool music and maybe your shirt comes off and then we pan tastefully yes. away. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's Brightwell, Maybe we switch over to HBO for an episode. Then we come back. I'm just saying. I'm just saying is all. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get to the actual confrontation with Ashton here. So again, as we said before, we have um, Malcolm figuring it out, despite the fact this was supposed to be Adrice's episode. But it's fine. I'm moving on. Um, so. They confront, Adresa is there at this point. Danny's off finding bleeding out people in the backs of rigs. Um, <laughs> this confrontation happens. And the first thing I said was only in NYC can you have a full standoff with a gun blatantly pointed and the pedestrians are just like, hey, not my problem. Yep. And they just <laughs> keep walking. Like, didn't see it, moving along. You know, like no one cares. Um, <laughs> that's And honestly, that's kind of on par. Like that's yeah. not the most outrageous moment of the episode by any means whatsoever. No. <laughs> it's like, not my business. And we keep going and it doesn't matter. As long as you're out of range of the bullet, you're fine and you yes, don't have to worry about yep. um, Obviously the biggest part of this scene is, is Malcolm's misery spoken aloud. Um, mm-hmm. So he absolutely, we often have, like Jess mentioned before, those moments where he kind of projects his own situation as he's trying to talk down um the case of the week and you know conveniently the case of the week always works with what he's going through at the time because that's how we roll um but there's a couple quotes that really hit I really like when he said family will only go so far yeah so for him he knows that the one thing to save him is to to speak on it and to tell what has gone on then he Mm -hmm. knows that is also the one thing that will be his undoing yep like it, he he's it's a full catch 22 there is mm-hmm. no winning scenario for him in this in this moment mm-hmm. um he says once they know the truth who they're really after they will give up on you mm-hmm. and he he knows and to be alone is probably the only worse thing than for him to be going through what he's going through now because at least he is not alone in it yeah um and in this moment you know we're not talking about bio family his bio family knows 
his bio mm-hmm. family is truthfully not the most important family to him yeah. right now. Um, not mm-hmm. to diminish Jessica's bomb, blah, blah, blah. But like they are the source of that stressor and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Yeah. So for him, when we are talking family, it is absolutely my NYPD family. Yes. Um, and it's just, and then he says, and Tom delivers it just this, then no more family. <laughs> like it is the most like little four-year-old boy yeah. moment. And it, it just broke my heart. Like, and mm-hmm. it's delivered so well. It's not over dramatically done. It's kind of almost a whisper and it is literally him speaking his greatest fear. Yeah. And wow. It's him being 11 years old again when his father was arrested yeah. and his family, as he knew it, got totally upended. You know, yeah. it's going to be that all over again, only worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, so. I feel like that would, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to diminish the fact that finding out your dad is a serial killer, mm-hmm. but at this point to lose, it's to lose something a second time really hurts. Yeah. To lose something you chose to yeah. more than like, mm-hmm. you have your, your actual family that you don't get to choose. And then you have the people who you do get to choose. And that almost in a way hurts more because mm-hmm. you wanted to be with these people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, not a surprise. I mean, Tom yeah. is amazing at dramatic moments and just making me want to go cry my eyes out in the yeah. corner. Yeah. So good job. Yeah. Nicely done. As always, why you gotta be so amazing. Eh. <laughs> Another day at the office for Tom. I know, Tom's like, thank you. It was a Thursday for me. We're moving on. It's no big deal. <laughs> um, okay, so I am absolutely sharing this because my cousin and I text when we watch this these shows and we, not kidding you, did that thing where Jess and I like to do where you text the exact same thing to each other at the exact same moment. <laughs> we and we texted. So, so Jess, I'm talking about the, this is the the, the garage scene with Jess mm-hmm. and, and Gil at 3811. Um, when she walked up in that like leg length fur coat, I thought for sure she was naked under it. Oh, <laughs> I, really? thought, oh, I, I thought we were going to pull a hey baby. Like I thought for sure. And my cousin goes, is she nude? And I was like, Jess about to strip. What is happening? <laughs> but if you watch it, I mean, it is not like buttoned. You see no. zero clothing. She's mm-hmm. kind of doing the like seductive walk. And I was just waiting for the <laughs> and it all flies off. I mean, it wouldn't be uncharacteristic for and honestly, this Gil be like, slams the hood, offers yep. the hood as a place. Yep. Let's um, go, boo. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really chuckled at that. I adore the eighties nostalgia of this entire oh, theme. So um, real quick, I want to shout out because Lou did mention it. His wife came up with the "Slave to Love" song yes. to use. Yes. He said that they were they read scripts together, as you know, husband and wife often do. Oh and she said, like, "Slave to Love." They have to play "Slave to Love," and he suggested it, and it went through. So oh. good job, Yvonne. You rock. That's just even um, better. I know. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, just- I love it. And I mean, that's, I guess that's something you get used to when you're married to an actor or actress, but it's yeah. a little weird to be like, okay, here's a love scene between you and someone that's not me. You know <laughs> what a great song would be for this? I have a perfect song. I'm so yeah. good her. She's a BA. Mm-hmm. I like her. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to ask, when was the, let's take bets. When was the last time Jess drank from a beer bottle? Oh, I put goodness. down, I put down 2004. Straight beer, not liquor, not other stuff. Like, when does she pick up like a Budweiser or whatever the bougie version of Budweiser is? De la Artois. I don't know what what the I'm rich yeah. version of a regular beer is. Yeah, so um, Yeah, I yeah. 
like, but when was the last time you think she actually held a beer bottle and sipped like she was at a bar eating peanuts? I would say college, but I don't know. Yeah. She went to college you know what? You're probably better because two- I said 2004, feeling like that was a long time ago, but that was well after she had had kids and was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're probably absolutely yeah. right in that yeah. department. It was probably in whatever she probably went to. What's the all women's college in Massachusetts? Jess Wellesley. Oh, she uh, say? Nope, nope. Starts with Wesleyan. Nope, nope. Starts with an E. Wellesley uh, is the one she mentions to Eve in that episode. There's, the one there's time, one though, when there's... she makes the joke. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I can't so remember. It's an all oh, women's college somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where, but she was probably, Boston, I think. Yeah, like already blitzed. Yeah. And someone yeah. just, at that point, it's like, you know, you'll drink out of, I mean, yeah. hey, it just <laughs> made, it drink out of whatever bottles. <laughs> literally, like, oh, spit, yum. Yeah, I was not yeah. that person. <laughs> this um, bottle, this questionable bottle of gin, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, who knows what's in it? Let's go yeah. for it. Just and the and the time slows down or time slowed down. Um, it still does like just ah. like an eighties movie. Yep. It was, it, so everything too, too. about this screamed John Hughes. Yes, like yep. it was like Pretty in Pink, Sweet Sixteen, maybe ah. not The Breakfast Club so much, but it was he directed all those iconic eighties movies, and yes. just the like let me extend my hand and let's dance. And then the, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me go to like, oh, it was, come on. It was dead 80s. Like, and it was perfect. No disrespect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. We got Gil out of a turtleneck. He's practically naked. He's I know. Like, my God. I mean, he might as well be in nothing but a Speedo at this point for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the song, it was, it was very 80s. That being said, I loved the scene by itself. Mm-hmm. Felt a little out of place overall in the entire episode. But this whole episode, like we said, to me at least, felt like disjointed pieces put together a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I can rewatch that clip for a hundred years. Yes. Happy and it's all good and life Mm -hmm. is great. (laughs) And then at the end, I put now kiss. (laughs) I want them to kiss. (laughs) Oh, so cute. Um, Which brings us to. Oh, no. So, um, so so right here yes is what you need to remind me of good yes, job i appreciate yep, that right, right um, my so notes. my time my time stamp is is 4003 and this is the danny and malcolm in the loft scene um due to some things that we've kind of previously talked about we might discuss i do want to throw out like a little trigger warning right here because we are all coming at this from different relationship experiences um mm-hmm. and m- some of them quite negative and and might mm-hmm. be triggering to people so um, there are some things that I'm going to say that would involve some abusive relationship stuff that would maybe be something that some people would not want to hear. So mm-hmm. if you want to skip ahead, you may do so. Um, we will talk about Christian Burrell singing in a minute, I promise. Um, but, <laughs> for now, but for now, um, that's something we're going to discuss. So if that would trigger you, please move along and scratch till you get to the other stuff. Maybe here, I'll do this. I'll do like a little wave when we're done so you can track that. Remind me to do that, guys. But what about um, the audio people? Um, oh, shit. <laughs> We'll <laughs> I forgot we have audio people. Yeah, uh, no. I, mean, I mean, it's essentially when we get to. Start I would start at the end and work back Marvel. like two minutes, and that's probably where it's going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, there's not. I don't know what we can do for audio. Uh, maybe, Britt, maybe you could put in like a, again, like even yeah, if. Yeah, Britt can do something. Dang, we're going to have to track to find it. So, yeah. honestly, we're going to talk about Christian Burrell singing at the end. If you don't really care that much about it, you can stop now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Um, Okay, yeah. so I, I think before we hit like the relationship part, like maybe let's just go through the scene itself. Yeah, yeah, real quick. Then yeah. we can go through that mm-hmm. stuff. Do, do, do. So, um, so 
so I want to say while I had some issues about like the case of the week and other stuff I really thought this this scene was incredibly well written and mm-hmm. and obviously well performed duh at this yeah. point I feel like that's just implied <laughs> um I I loved that so much of this conversation mirrors the head case conversation with them um that you have the you're a good person you're the best person I know comparison mm-hmm. there I'm here for you talk to me like all those kinds of phrases are very similar <laughs> to the phrases that Malcolm hears in his hallucination where they are together um I just I love and I hate cock blocking Martin's psyche um <laughs> like I you need it like here's the thing like I said before I'm a huge fan of a slow burn okay and we have to put mm-hmm. multiple hurdles in here And in fact, my prediction, I'll come to this a little bit later, is that this new character that we've seen is going to be a love interest for Danny. Even if it's off screen, like I'm going on dates and she's going to mention it. I think eventually after this episode, she's going to get a little annoyed at the events, maybe go on a date and mention it. And then that's going to bother Bright. Like we're going to keep, we're going to throw some hurdles until they can get back together. That's my prediction, but we'll come back. Wait, fireman guy? No. Oh. The guy that we've jokingly called Khalil in the behind the scenes oh, stuff with right. the car. Yeah. I'm so confused. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 not Blaze. Blaze is busy. Yeah. He's doing oh, yeah, his he's, dirties. Yeah, I was with, gonna uh, say Le- him and Adresa are breaking <laughs> glasses him. in her apartment. It's going crazy on the couch <laughs> and the, the windows to the wall. Yeah. It's happening. Uh, <laughs> it's hers. It's yeah, hers. no, no, no. He is yeah. occupado. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the point where I sincerely adored that that Martin is Malcolm's psyche. Mm-hmm. it was great the first time but this it's literally him speaking what he wants the most yeah. which is i want to kiss her mm-hmm. this is where i should kiss her like yeah. in his brain he's this is what he's thinking and we get to see it for once and we don't get to very much mm-hmm. to see what he's really thinking um and then for him to flip so quickly and be like no like that's really him going i can't do this to her because if mm-hmm. we know anything we know Malcolm is selfless to the point of near-death experiences Mm -hmm. when it comes to things um so all of those moments where just Martin is kind of mocking him as his psyche like this if you didn't have all these horrible problems this is the point where you would kiss her and this is the point where you would solidify the relationship and this is the point blah 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 I mean it's it's wonderfully heartbreakingly horrible Mm -hmm. it's great writing it's what you want in a slow burn relationship but it hurts it hurts mm-hmm. so bad okay. um the last thing i had and i will shift to y'all because i know y'all got some stuff to take too um i might make some enemies here with this online but i feel the need to call some things out um if you rewatch this scene despite how painful it is for some of us mm-hmm. at no point is malcolm physical with her at no point does he raise his voice to her he's yeah. very frantic and manic like you have to go you have to go because in his head he's thinking i'm gonna either take this too far without telling her the truth mm-hmm. or i'm gonna tell her the truth and he can do neither yeah. so he's thinking get out she has to go yeah. she has to go um there are some people that are like oh she can never be with him now he's abused her this and that no not so much and i'll get into some other stuff about that later but like he guides her like he touches her back lightly we need to go he even i thought for sure he slammed the door he doesn't no no now he locks it which is like harsh that that hurt yeah um but he didn't even slam the door 
No. Um, so there nothing there is abusive. It's it's kind of rude, maybe. Like, wow, that was kind of rude. Um, obviously, we know that he's manic and he's not being as friendly as he normally is to her. But if that was like him doing that to JT, no one would have said, oh, that's abusive. Yeah. Nothing he did was abusive. So that Reading annoys Gale. me. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it's because, and again, like I know I'm, I'm a Danny Protection Squad member. Like we, I don't <laughs> like this scene. I get it. Yes. But he was not abusive. It's just a painful scene emotion. Yeah. So yeah. Um, before we hit on some other things, y'all throw in some of your thoughts before we start discussing our personal <laughs> issues with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said this morning, I mean, uh, I rewatched this scene and then popped into the Discord and was like, unpopular opinion, which like didn't, you know, set off this huge, you know, discussion that's leading to, you know, what we're going to talk about. But I was just like, this doesn't seem as hectic or, or like, what was the other word I used? forceful it doesn't yeah Yeah. frantic or forceful or hectic as it felt like when we were watching live and i don't know if that's because i was watching what you guys were saying in discord at the same time and or it's which just is why i can't do that time. until the commercials yeah, yeah. i have or to put the was, phone down like i'll be there in a commercial y'all i yeah, can't like, it ain't gonna happen <laughs> or if it was just because it was the first time i was like taking in all like what he was saying and what he was doing and like the fact that all of our brains were like going one way and the storyline went, nope, nope. <laughs> so, I don't know. so when I rewatched- So true, so true. <laughs> so I hadn't finished rewatching yesterday from beginning to end. So I had this scene and then the last scene to rewatch today. And I just, I hit pause and I went into Discord and I was like, this doesn't seem as bad as it felt when we watched it live. Obviously, you know, like we said, we are all- interestingly having not not necessarily divided but we all have a different viewpoint on Mm -hmm. various points in this episode especially this scene so I was a little afraid of saying that because I know you know it it was definitely hurtful especially for those of us that really love Danny Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. I I don't I yeah I think you're right though like I really I really felt like it was me learning the info the first time where I was like oh my god what's he doing why would he do that and then like once I know it's coming I can be a little bit more objective in the watch and just like you in the watch I was like okay that was not as bad as my brain it's like when people you know remember a crime and they swear up and down this happened and that happened and then you watch the footage and it was nothing like what the person described it's kind of like that (laughs) yes it's kind of like that Yeah, no, I honestly, when you guys started talking about that this morning, and of course I was at work sitting on the toilet in the bathroom, so I was like, wait, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unintentional discussion, I apparently started. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Another thing that I missed out on, I didn't realize that people were thinking of this as abusive. Um, Yeah, I didn't. Even the first time. It blew up Twitter and Tumblr in like certain circles, not like everyone thought that. But like when I was scrolling through Tumblr, it was all like, no way can Danny be with him anymore now that he's been abusive. And I was just like, hold on, like, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm glad that I put my phone down and go to bed after the episode's end and then don't touch it the next morning. But I I didn't see it as that. I, you know, he does put his hand on her and stuff. But again, it's very, it's guiding. It's not like pushing. There is no like, there is no physical distance between his arm and her back and stuff. Like they're still walking side by side together. Mm -hmm. He's just more of like, it reminded me of someone who's like trying to like protect somebody from like getting hit by a car without like making a frantic scene out of it. Like, let's get (laughs) out of here before something happens. 
um, not like, get out of here, like, I hate you. Like, you can see his face as he's shutting the door, too. Like, he's not slamming it, and she's not, like, we've seen him be physical with the evidence board in, right, yes, in season one, and she mm-hmm. jumped and flinched at it. Mm-hmm. She did not have any physical reaction like that here. So, as much as, like, I, I don't really know what people were saying, and as much as I don't want to minimize how people felt about that because that's I'm sure that's very valid mm-hmm. I objectively didn't see that but yeah I don't know teach their own yeah so there's there's two more things like scene based I want to do before we kind of dive into personal perspective here um I, I don't know if many people caught it but I did when when Malcolm has her like midway to the door kind of right by the stairway and he's like sorry I, sorry I just you, you know and he's kind of flustered you can see like this much of Martin's head this, this, oh, the camera is behind him. The camera's yeah. behind him. He's present and he's doing this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I he's like this motherfucker. Like <laughs> you're rude. You have the opportunity. He's like, I am. You're not my son. I'm so embarrassed for you right now. I got laid today. What are you doing? <laughs> like full on, you know that. And then I also, again, logistically want to call bullshit that. I don't care how fast Danny went down those stairs. She would have heard him yell, you ruin, why are you ruining everything? Yeah. Or whatever his phrase was. Why are you ruining like, this? Why are we pretending like this door is a steel vault that has no windows and is completely soundproof between the last yeah. couple episodes? Yeah. I digress. <laughs> um, so the one thing I did want to mention on, and again, this might be the part that would be a little triggering for people. So if you ventured this far, it may bother you. I don't know. Um, we talked about as a group that we all kind of come at this scene from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and Britt and I even talked a little bit about, sometimes I look at scenes and based on my life experiences, I compare them to things that I experience and then go, well, it's not as bad as that. So why is that a big deal? Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that that's not like necessarily the right way to, to think of it. But coming from, um, without, I'm not gonna go into incredible detail. I don't wanna like throw people by any means, but. I, I came from a relationship that was physically abusive that ended in um, a threat on my life and me calling the police from a bathroom and then continued to have multiple restraining orders during the divorce, threats, things like that. Um, so for me, I think that's why I got a little triggered at the word abusive and mm-hmm. the things that people were like, oh, and I'm like, no, like that is not a be like, I, I went, like I went through something abusive. That was him guiding her politely to the, you know, I, and then I realized like, okay, that's coming from my perspective. That's coming from the things I've experienced. Whereas people that have not experienced that and have had healthy, normal relationships um, would probably be like, oh my God, that's not cool. Why would he do that to her? So I, and when we talked about that today and I kind of had that revelation, I'm kind of noticing a lot of, of my reflections on the whole series are coming from that perspective, from that like, um, like I feel like a headcanon is like that Danny has gone through something like that before, based on like you said, the way she reacts to Malcolm's outburst and the kind of like he almost physically threatened her even though he did not. That would seem to me like she's experienced something like that. And I do kind of connect with that character that way in terms of putting up the walls and not wanting to talk about it and trying to be tough, uh, but having a moment kind of get you and, and trigger you in that way. So um, I just, I know I kind of had like an existential moment where I was like, I really need to consider how my experiences are, mm-hmm. are skewing it. And it's kind of opposite because most of the time people will say, well, I've never experienced that. So I should be 
more thoughtful. But honestly, I think I'm being a little bit more closed-minded based on the fact that I have mm-hmm. experienced those things. And that's just something I need to, to work on personally. So. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think, I mean, that's something that like everybody needs to work on. We don't live in a vacuum. We don't experience things in a vacuum. We cannot experience anything. We Everything we look at is through the lens of our experiences. Yeah. Um, and you were the one that mentioned that to me this morning, Angie, in our in our discussion that we, you know, our impromptu discussion that we that we had, uh, because some of us look at things emotionally, and sometimes mm-hmm. I do that. But I was looking at this scene from a psychological perspective, but also emotionally from the viewpoint of my own experience. And you pointed mm-hmm. that out to me. You were like, I think we're all differing in in, in views because we've all experienced rough things but all different things yeah very different yeah Yeah. so I this was nowhere near for those of you that saw our or listened to our episode after episode seven uh the whole end scene with Ainsley uh, and gaslighting and, and Malcolm uh Caroline and I had differing, you know, viewpoints on that. And I talked about my experience of having been Malcolm in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, I looked at this scene as having been Malcolm standing mm-hmm. in that situation, not, you know, with a murder on my conscience or anything, but the mental door slam, as um, mm-hmm. we like to call it, not the physical door slam, but it's just a, a mental door slam of manic of I've got so many things going through my head and I'm going to say something wrong Um, I came from an abusive marriage so I've been in that situation where if I said the wrong thing and I let my emotions into things that was it it's done it's it created this big bomb that went off and it screwed things up Mm -hmm. and so his his uh you know Martin his psyche saying "Ooh, here comes the kiss and then him physically stopping and saying no I'm sorry and then like gets her to leave that's his door slam that was his stop button I'm going to say the wrong thing and I'm going to mess it up and it's going to fall apart mm-hmm. and so and I wish I had that ability to stop myself but I never did and the mm-hmm. few times I did try it wasn't allowed it was no we need mm-hmm. to fix this but it was but it was something that was that like you know my ex would do for himself was okay I can't deal with this we need to stop and I need to leave mm-hmm. so that so this whole so that's how I viewed this scene and, and mm-hmm. I talked about that in a lot of more you know detail to you guys this morning of yeah that definitely once again I found myself understanding Malcolm from the psychological perspective as much as it hurt to watch all of this happen yeah and to watch things kind of crumble because and it it was self-sabotage and I I do it a lot I have kind of a different perspective sort of like a blend between the two of you how I like Jess I saw myself as Malcolm in this situation but I from from my I have never been married but I from my abusive relationship that ruined everything since then um I have been in relationships where the other person decided to be open and vulnerable with me like in the same way that Danny turns on the puppy dog eyes and says I'm here and that gets triggering for me because 
that's when, you know, like someone says something very open and honest and vulnerable with me and they're like waiting for my reaction. I'm like, oh no, what do I do? Mm -hmm. In my experience, like it, it wasn't my being emotional that caused other things to happen. It was the other person being emotional Mm -hmm. that caused things to happen. So other people being emotional to me sets me off sometimes like other people being very romantic or very honest with me is like triggering to me sometimes, which is, mm-hmm. that's proof that abuse is really effed up, that it <laughs> causes yeah, that no kind sure. of reaction to me. Um, so I saw him sort of processing Danny's like, I'm here and thinking, oh no, this is really, really bad. I need to stop this right now. And like shooing her out of there. Like I've unfortunately done that mm-hmm. to people that I was, even in relationships with before and it made me realize like oh that is honestly a terrible horrible thing to do for so many different reasons um and even just like martin malcolm martin martin going from like ooh, there's the kiss and stuff to suddenly like shaking his head like that to me feels like my brain which is like you know like oh be open on and honest and vulnerable oh wait don't do that and then you know as i'm shoving the person out the door my brain's like no you gotta face this and be open and honest like you need to stop doing this but you still shove them out the door anyways Mm -hmm. and then you turn right around at yourself and you're like at your ptsd why are you ruining this (laughs) Mm -hmm. like (laughs) Mm -hmm. the thing is this whole scene for me as much as my brightwell heart ached for it like it is so real and raw and honestly like the putting martin there like for some people, it's kind of like a hee hee, like, you know, but then when you really consider that it's him dealing with it and like, it's just, it's such a powerful scene. Yeah. I'll be honest. Like it, it's one of my favorite, I think for the entire show, like this scene yeah. individually, because so many real and just ugly and truthful moments yeah. happen in it. Like it is not glossed over. It is not no. sugarcoated. And as much as it hit us, you know, and like in different ways. And like, I like that because that is just good writing. That is good you writing. You can write something yeah. that affects people and mm-hmm. hits people with their personal experiences that way and be so true yeah. is really cool. Like it's yeah. very well done. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I, I had said to Britt this morning. She was the first one in the chat that started this whole discussion off with me. And um because you know she she was affected by it too we all we all were and uh i was like i i said then clearly these writers are doing their job uh you don't always want a bad emotional reaction but an emotional reaction is better than no reaction yes oh yeah the emotional reaction whether it's negative or positive that like grabs onto people and attaches those real life experiences to the storyline so that's what i one of the things I realized like today in talking to you guys about that is one of the another piece that I love about this show is it's giving us the ability to look at our own personal experiences through what's being written so um I guess if you're watching yeah that was that was our triggering stuff is over there's about 35 (laughs) seconds left in the show yeah (laughs) um um so, so moving on. Okay, we have our kind of final scene of the actual episode at 4155. Um, my personal Broadway self literally sitting by myself watching it. Like, like I was so excited that he was back. 
um, a happy squeed. And I jokingly said in his first episode on our show, the man has to sing, make him sing yeah. a hymn, make him sing. Th- I literally said the phrase because I watched it. Make him sing a hymn, anything. And damn, if they didn't give me yeah. what I asked for, thank you very much. <laughs> and you should um, get some credits. <laughs> man, I mean, I don't even care. Just listen and do. I'm happy with it. Um, so I, first of all, I love that he straight calls her out and essentially says it stinks yeah. like sex in here. Like, like that's literally what he says, but far more eloquently. The lust um, of than, sin, I think he's Yeah, essentially yeah. he did the, the priest version of, you know, you got yeah. laid. Like, so much Catholic guilt going on. I just wanted to note that Christian Borle is one of the people that can sing both tenor and bass. Um, you can hear him sing like the higher notes at the beginning and then you hear him drop it while she's running out the elevator and they all sound amazing and he's awesome and I love him. That's pretty much it. His <laughs> voice is awesome. I absolutely loved the um, the, the Twitter tweet and Britt, you're gonna have to find it because I know I'm always the worst about writing stuff down um, where someone said, oh, look, the two-time Tony winner singing to the one-time Tony yes. winner in the elevator. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> that just like, great. Tony's for everyone. Everyone gets a Tony. I mean, that I'm intrigued. I'm really yeah. excited that we at least got to hear yeah. him sing. It was very mm-hmm. much worth it for the creep factor. And that, my friends, wraps us up. Yeah, yeah. we did it. We, we have someone else getting hit in the next preview by a car. And if it's Malcolm, I will I riot. I swear to God. Jess and I have talked about this. We can't, it can't be. Like, I'm just assuming there's no way because in no way would they allow two scripts to go through that have Malcolm getting hit by a car consecutively. Like at some point, there's a big board in the writer's room, like stupid shit we've done to Malcolm. And if there's a car (laughs) up there, you can't do it. Like those kinds of things really exist in writer's rooms. I've done research. Like there are writer's rooms for like the Simpsons that where they just have a picture of everyone they've killed off. So you don't accidentally write someone in from 700 episodes that and not kidding. It's really been 700, that's, but like you forget fantastic. that someone's dead. So there has to be some kind of like idiot stuff. He didn't go to the hospital for, and then we just have a list of things and you check the list, right? Like that has to be something that would occur. I mean, Malcolm has fallen onto cars. He has been hit by cars. He's gone over the car. Is he going to go under the car? It's like prepositions. Like, what's next? <laughs> oh, yay. On, about, okay. around, beneath, behind, under, below. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to teach this stuff to kids. I get you, Angie. Oh, <laughs> uh, English nerd happy vibes right now. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, folks, that wraps it up. Hopefully it wasn't too creep-tastic for you. And hopefully the gag reflex comments did not <laughs> cause you too much harm. <laughs> the, uh, Maybe we should put the, uh, a trigger warning. Do not eat while watching. <laughs> yes. Oh, we'll, have to tell, we'll have to tell Libby, no noodles. No noodles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to roll out of here. We will see you next week for 210. Farewell. All right. Bye. Bye.